Today on Grace to the Hearers with Pastor Eric Kluth. You know what? I don't desire you to perish. I don't desire you to go to experience death. I want you to come back home. It's our dad, our Abba Father crying out saying, come home to me. Come home to me. Turn. Please turn. And as Noah mentioned, there's wickedness going out throughout the day. And why is God not doing anything about it? Why is the judgment have not come? Because he's crying for people to come home today. Saul is in a place of rebellion and tormented by an evil spirit. He brings David in to play the harp over him and relieve him from that torment. In light of King Saul being in such a dark place spiritually, Pastor Eric will teach us strategies we can adopt when someone we care about is falling away from the Lord. Well, let's join Pastor Eric for part one of his message entitled, Keep Moving Forward. All right, you guys, let's get into the Word tonight, 1 Samuel chapter 16, and uh, let's just get a quick recap of what's going on in the book of Samuel. And last time we saw King Saul, the king of Israel, was asked by God to go and wipe out the Amalekites. And uh, Saul, for the most part, did this, except for uh, when it came to the best sheep and the best oxen. He said, spare those, let's keep those, and we'll spare them. And then King Agog, uh, the king of the Amalekites, he also spared him as well. Now, the Lord spoke to Samuel and said, hey, um, I'm going to need you to go and tell Saul that he is no longer going to be the king of Israel because of his disobedience. Not only was he disobedient, but he also built up a, a monument of himself. Always not a good thing to do, right? Uh, to, to worship and glorify yourself. And so Samuel anoint, uh, just comes in and he confronts Saul. And Saul is like, what are you talking about, man? It's so good to see you, but why are you getting all upset at me? You know, I did what the Lord said. I, I pretty much took out everybody of the Amalekites. And then Samuel then calls him out, and then Saul was quick to do what? It's your fault. It's the people's fault. It's not my fault. Yet he spared the king, and he was in charge. It's ultimately it was his responsibility. And so then Samuel then goes, and before he leaves and departs, after he gives the news to Saul that the Lord was not going to have him as king anymore, as he was getting ready to leave, he's like, God was like, hey, hold on, I got some unfinished business. And so Samuel stopped, and he goes, hey, by the way, where's the king at of the Amalekites? Bring him here. And then uh, he went all ninja style on him and sliced him and diced him up. He killed him because that was what the Lord asked him to do. He took him out. He, Samuel took him out. And so that's where he brings us tonight. Uh, I titled the message of 1 Samuel 16, Keep Moving Forward. Definitely a good word for us tonight as we need to keep moving forward in the life that God has put us uh, in place of, you know, just to continue to move forward in that life. Uh, but we're going to see tonight that God chose for himself a new king, and that king's name was David. King David. Uh, I'm excited to get into the life of King David. And so tonight we're going to read the entire chapter first and then kind of go back through it. But we're going to be really focusing in on verses 1 through 13. All right, let's get into it. Let's read. Okay, chapter 16, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, 
for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. But the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I name to you. Verse 4. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come to me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Verse 6. So it was when they came that he looked at Elab and said, Surely the Lord has anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Verse 8, So Jesse called to Abadab and Abadab, <laughs> and made him pass, from Sam, uh, pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Verse 10, Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Verse 11, And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? Then he said, There remains yet young, the youngest, and there he is, keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. Verse 12, So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, with bright eyes, and good-looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Verse 14, But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servant said to him, Surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you. Verse 16, Let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is a skillful player of the harp. And it shall be that he will play it, and his hand, when the distressing spirit from God is upon you, you shall be well. Verse 17, So Saul said to his servants, Provide me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. Then the one of the servants answered and said, Look, I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor and a man of war, prudent in the speech and a handsome person. And the Lord is with him. Verse 19, Therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey loaded, loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them by his son David to Saul. Verse 21, So David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor-bearer. Then Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Please let David stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. Verse 23, And so it was, whenever the Spirit from God was upon Saul, that David would take a harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. 
a story that we have, are very familiar with. David becoming king. You know, the story of the sons going before Samuel and, nope, not this one. Nope, not this one. You know, going through the, uh, all the sons that they had and finally coming upon young Samuel. And in chapter 17, it says that Samuel was a youth. He was a young boy. I don't know how old he was, but he was a youth. He was young. Okay? And so here we see God is moving forward. He is moving forward with his plans. And we see right off the bat that Samuel, in verse 1, was mourning for Saul. He was mourning for Saul because here is the guy that God chose to be king of Israel. And yet his, his actions and his heart has grown hardened and he has moved away from God. And now Samuel is mourning because now he's not going to be the king of Israel anymore. And so he's mourning. He's having a hard time with this because of Saul falling away from God. Now it hurts when a brother or sister falls away from God. It truly does. It really hurts your heart for someone who has professed the Lord Jesus in their life, but then they have just hit the slippery, slippery slope and have fallen away from God. It hurts, especially if you're a parent or you're one of your good friends is just gone away from God. It just tears you up within your heart, within your soul. I mean, then you start thinking, what can I do to help this person come back to God? What can I do? Well, three things come to mind for me. Number one is let them go, number one. Let them go. Number two, continue to love them. And number three, pray for them. We want people to come out of the rebellious ways, very much so. Uh, not only people that have fallen away from the Lord, but from people that don't even have a relationship with Jesus. We want them to come out of their rebellious ways. Amen? We do. We want that. But here's the reality, you guys. The only way a person can come out of it is through Jesus Christ. And we must know this. We must understand this. And we must have that deep understanding of that Jesus is the only way that a person can come back or come to him. So let's look at the number one thing, letting them go. Well, that seems kind of harsh, doesn't it? Just letting them go? What does that mean? You don't care for them? Oh, quite the opposite. You do care for them. Here's the thing. Our example comes from the prodigal son, okay? That is an example for us of letting go. Here's the son who said to his dad, I want my inheritance. I'm going. I'm out of here. Did the father sit there and argue with him? Not recorded in the Bible, it's not. He let him go. He gave him the inheritance, and the boy left. The young man left. You know, Paul states this, you guys, that God himself lets people go. God himself lets people go. What do you mean by that? Well, check out what it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, okay? So if you read Romans chapter 1, I mentioned it on Sunday, you have this list of just uh, iniquity and sin, but God gives that person over to their debased mind to go and follow those things. He does. He, he doesn't make you f love him and follow his ways. If you're not going to want to follow that way, then fine, you're going to go your way, and he lets you go that way. Well, Paul also states in 1 Corinthians, uh, a man who had committed sexual immorality, he said this uh, in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 5, deliver such one to Satan 
for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now, question is, is why would God give man over to their unmoral minds? Why would you want to hand over a person to Satan? It really doesn't make any sense, but it does make sense. It makes sense because letting them go, the hope is that they will come to their own destruction. They will come to a point where all they can do is return to God and leaving it to Him to change the heart. Because we can get involved, we can try to fix things, but remember, folks, the only one that can change a heart is Jesus Christ. And sometimes we have to let the people go. We have to let them just experience what they're going through. Again, looking at the prodigal son, he was at the time when he was with the pigs and the pigs were eating and he was not. And he was like, he came to that point where the flesh was, had enough. And he said, you know what? I'm going home to daddy. I'm going to go home to my father. And sure enough, he goes home and guess what happens? The father runs to him and falls on his neck and kisses him and embraces him. What a great picture that is of Jesus Christ with those who are returning back to him. Beautiful picture. Uh, So that's looking at number one, letting the people go that have fallen away. Number two, loving them. You love them. What do you mean? You just told me to let them go. Well, yes, letting them go is an act of love. But in the midst of that letting go, you continue to love them. As long as they keep coming in your midst, you can continue to show them the love of God. And in the times that God gives you to speak with them, give them the love of God. Don't give them a hard time. You give them the love of God. They've already heard your words. They need to hear the words of Jesus Christ. And, and a great example of this is, comes from the prophet Ezekiel. Uh, Ezekiel was told by the Lord and was told to say this. He said, Say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. For why should you die, O house of Israel? Get the heart of God, okay? He is crying out. He is crying out to the people saying, you know what, I don't desire you to perish. I don't desire you to go to experience death. I want you to come back home. It's our dad, our Abba Father crying out saying, come home to me. Come home to me. Turn. Please turn. And as Noah mentioned, there's wickedness going out throughout the day. And why is God not doing anything about it? Why is the judgment have not come? Because he's crying for people to come home today. He's calling for people to come home. Because there is going to be a time when the wrath and judgment of God comes upon man. And see, here it is, you guys. Loving them does not mean that you accept or agree with their sinful ways. Loving them is not saying, oh, I agree and I'm going to accept. Loving them also comes through correction and discipline. I mean, God tells us in his word that correction is a form of love. In verse, or chapter 3, verse 12 of Proverbs, I'm sorry. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Just as the father, the son, in whom he delights. As parents, I know that I love my child, that I'm going to correct them out of a heart of love because I want them to change their bad behavior. And I'm going to steer them into the right behavior. And instead of just pointing the finger in the chest, I'm going to tell them why. 
Not the how come and you should do this, but this is why. A thing that is very missed in correction. Uh, many times we can correct with the, the finger and the chest and this is what you need to be done. This needs to be done. But explaining the why. Why does this need to be done? Uh, is very key when you are sharing discipline or correction. Finally, looking at the third point, pray. Pray. Uh, this is the most powerful resource I truly believe that a believer has. Prayer. Yet, this resource is used minimal. And we can often pray once or twice for a situation, and I'm guilty of this, praying once or twice for a situation, and then giving up when we don't see anything that happens. You know what? Nothing's happening, so I'm not going to pray for it anymore. I, I mean, you just stop praying. But yet, God says in His Word, pray without ceasing. Meaning what? What does the word ceasing mean? It means don't stop the prayer. Don't stop praying for what God has put on your heart to pray for. And I love that God's Word is so, just so uh, detailed when it comes to explaining things. When we pray, and this is truly amazing, and I've read this verse many times, but James 5.16, you guys, check this out. It says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, why is this amazing? Why has this just stood out to me? It's because I actually look up the definition of fervent. Fervent. It's amazing when you look up definitions. Instead of just reading it and say, oh yeah, I understand that. But if you don't understand, look it up, what it means. Because it brings a whole new light into the Word of God. And so fervent is what uh, James is writing to the church is saying this. Let us therefore uh, have that passion that intensity, that fanatical prayer when we pray. <laughs> we need to be excited and passionate and bold and when we're praying and believing that God is going to respond to this prayer because a fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Avails much, meaning that it produces much, right? And so having that intensity, having that passion, that desire when we're praying to God, man, do you really believe that God's going to respond? Do you really believe that God's going to do something about the situation? I mean, have that passion and just that intensity when we're praying before the Lord God. I mean, it's God, you guys, that we're going before. It's not just an imaginary person that we're just saying, I pray this, I pray this. It's God Almighty, the great I Am, who we are praying to. Therefore, the Bible says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. That we come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. And oftentimes, if one of our loved ones or friends or family members, even if it's your child that has walked away, that is a time of need in my opinion. That is a time of need where we just need to come boldly and seeking the grace of God. Please, Lord, be with them. Bring them back. Man, I believe that they can come back to you, Jesus. I know that you're out there. You've left the 99 to go for the one. I know you can bring them back. You can change the heart of them to come back to you. I mean, just believing that God can do that and praying with that intensity because the return of the person to God is between the person and God. We just have the great responsibility and the great privilege. What a privilege it is to pray.
and to continue to love them. Man, awesome, right? So here we see that Samuel was mourning over the departure of Saul, but then God encourages Samuel to move on. God tells Samuel to go to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, to anoint the new king. And so he's just encouraging Samuel. Okay, Samuel, I know you're mourning, you're hurting, but now you need to move forward. We need you to keep going because I'm going to anoint the new king of Israel. And it happens to be, it's from Jesse, the Bethlehemites. And see, I believe this is amazing because (laughs) in a time of mourning, we can often just shut down. We don't move, we just sit. And it's okay to mourn. And we'll touch about that here in a a little bit. But God does not stop moving, okay? God does not stop moving because uh, someone has fallen away. God has continued to move forward. He is moving forward because he has a plan of redemption to complete. And, And so God's plans do not stop when people walk away. He keeps moving forward as we should keep moving forward. We have left that person in God's hands, right? We're loving them. We're praying for them. But you know what? Yes, our heart breaks for them. But you know what? There's a mission to complete. is to continue to share the grace of God with others around us. And so we must have a heart to stay focused on the mission. And we must not get bogged down with mourning. God, he's amazing. He, he says to Moses, when they were coming out of Egypt and the Egyptians were following him, right? They were following the, the Israelites out and they were in hot pursuit of the Israelites. And the people, they responded and they said, why is this happening? Why did we come out of Egypt? We should have just stayed there, you know? The, the situation, they were just bumming out and mourning over them, coming after them. And the Lord said to Moses, this is, this is awesome because God is just straight to the point. He says in Exodus chapter 14, verse 15, And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Is that pretty blunt? God's just telling him, Why are you crying? Yes, they're in pursuit of you, but keep going forward. You know, keep going. Joshua had the same situation. You know, Israel had just defeated Jericho, and then they went to Ai, but there was sin in the camp, and the Israelites then took this huge loss, and and Joshua, you know, he didn't understand what had happened at that moment, but he's on the ground, he's got dust on his head, he was mourning over the loss. And so God said to Joshua, check this out, you guys, get up! (laughs) Why do you lie thus on your face? Get up! Why are you lying on your face? It's time to move forward. There's a time to mourn, but mourning should not last forever. It's for a period of time. And the children of Israel, you guys, they mourned for Moses for 30 days. Did you know that the Bible said that? Check this out in Deuteronomy 34, 8. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses ended. Moses was like a huge player for the children of Israel. He dies. The children of Israel are heartbroken. You've been listening to Grace to the Hearers, the radio ministry of Pastor Eric Kluth of Calvary Chapel Coolidge in Coolidge, Arizona. 
CD copies of today's study are available when you email us at info at gracetothehearers.com. That's info at gracetothehearers.com. Today's message, as originally presented at Calvary Chapel Coolidge, can be downloaded from our website at gracetothehearers.com. If you can't get to your computer to download or place an order, you can always call us at 520-723-7047. We'll be happy to help you. Again, that number is 520-723-7047. We are so blessed by the technology that we have these days. Most of us have numerous versions of the Bible, and now with mobile technology, we have the Bible right on our phones and tablets. Grace to the Hearers is available in podcast format for use on any device. Simply log on to gracetothehearers.com and follow the links to subscribe to the Grace to the Hearers podcast. Or simply search for Grace to the Hearers in the iTunes Store. Again, our web address is gracetothehearers.com. Subscribing to a podcast like Grace to the Hearers is a wonderful way to infuse God's Word into your everyday life. Please log on to gracetothehearers.com today and subscribe to the Grace to the Hearers podcast. Now please place a marker in your Bibles and make plans to join us again. Pastor Eric will continue teaching verse by verse through the book of 1 Samuel, right here on Grace to the Hearers.